waste your time in meaningless pursuits. Waste your time hanging out with us. Let's talk about it with Oz Guinness. He's an old white guy, an author, broadcaster, and seminary professor who's sick of religion. And he's brought friends. Please welcome Steve Brown, etc. And that's the name of the program, and we're so glad you're here. I'm Steve, the old white guy. When you're cramming for finals, Carpe Diem takes on brand new meaning. I just want you to know. And our resident megachurch pastor, Zach Van Dyke, is here. He's been enjoying these crisp, cool Florida mornings. Usually a brisk 88 degrees. <laughs> Today, it is supposed to feel like 101. That's crazy. just wrong. This, yeah. It's something crazy. huge. Maybe those global warming people Florida 101, are on this. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And then Matthew Porter is with us, and today is his birthday. Oh, yeah. At, and my gift to you is, Matthew, I'm not going to sing Happy All Birthday right. to you. Right. Yes, you will. Pretty. Later at yeah, the party. But I can sing quietly as others' voices take up the melody. Oh, okay. Uh, right. And that works better. Trust me on that. Matthew is at the age where he's old enough to know better and too tired to do it, even if he didn't. <laughs> and then our video director, John Myers, is in the tech bunker. John is a real renaissance man. By renaissance man, I, of course, mean that John's paintings stray away from religious works of art to embrace individualism <laughs> and humanistic learning. What is While, Wait a incorporating a scientific perspective of light and movement. What did you just say? I don't In my know. defense, Somebody I didn't think I would be here when you tried to sell that joke. <laughs> and our producer, Jinx, is working hard in the little glass booth. The only thing longer than Jinx hair are these introductions. <laughs> Dr. George Bingham. Bingham is the president of Key Life. And George wants to remind you there may only be two months left in this decade, but that's plenty of time to give to Key Life. <laughs> time is money. And, uh, and Kathy Wyatt is the soft feminine side of the program. Matthew said he couldn't think of a joke for you, Kathy. He was too preoccupied wondering what kind of cake you baked for him. I didn't bake him a cake. He asked for key lime pie. Excellent. That'll work for all yep. of us. I'll be there. So, yeah. So, he's smart to say nice things. So, we're cutting the show short. <laughs> <laughs> Our guest is Oz Guinness. And, Oz, it's good to have you with us. Uh, we may cut it short because the thought of key lime pie is the only thing that would drag us away from this interview. Oz is an author and social critic. He completed his undergraduate degree at the University of London, 
Doctor of Philosophy and Social Sciences from Oriel College, Oxford. Oz has spoken at numerous major universities and at political and business conferences around the world. He's written or edited, edited more than 30 books, and his latest, which I hold in my nicotine-stained fingers, is Carpe Diem, Seizing the Day, Discerning the Times. Oz, thanks for being with us. Steve, it's always a pleasure and a great deal of fun, too. <laughs> yeah, it really is. And uh, we keep asking you to send beer, and you keep saying that's not your family. <laughs> but we but we, we will accept money instead of beer if you want to. <laughs> you know, I was reading... Fortunately, you keep having me back. <laughs> I was uh, I was reading your book this morning, and I want you to know the introduction, uh, you know, kind of left me. I mean, I I thought I'm not reading any more of this. I don't need any more of this. <laughs> you said all too soon it will be as if we had never been here at all. Now that's comforting <laughs> <laughs> for almost all, but the tiniest handful of us. The day will come when there is no trace of us in the living memory of Earth. (laughs) I'm reminded of a man who went into the general store and his friend Jimmy wasn't there. And he said to the manager, where's Jimmy? And he said, he's not here anymore. And the man said, well, who took his place? And he said, Jimmy didn't leave no place. (laughs) (laughs) You got to start kind of negative, don't you? Or the good news isn't very good. Hello? Uh I think we lost him. Oh, no. Oh, no. Did you hear that? Are you there? Time ran out. Time is just (laughs) so limited. Let's ring it back. Let's do it. In the meantime, we need the little Jeopardy. He must have uh, gone and got the key lime pie. <laughs> no, I heard him say hello twice. Yeah. And then we said yeah. time is limited. And he's like, you know what? There we I don't go. have time for this. <laughs> There's a lot hello? of technical there stuff we go. going on around here. Uh, all right. I, don't do that. Was there something we said, Oz? <laughs> no, you were telling the joke about Jimmy, and I was. Suddenly cut off. Oh, no. <laughs> I thought I had offended you. And I do that to a lot of people. No, and I, I do it quite I often. Haven't. Well, give him the punchline. waiting for the pu- Yeah, he didn't get the punchline. Punch the punchline was, and it's not even worth repeating, <laughs> was where, who replaced Jimmy or who took his place? And the punchline was Jimmy didn't leave no place. Which was kind of a... Crude. Crude, but (laughs) certainly more crude than anything you wrote. But it is is profound, isn't it? You know, death kind of slaps us in the face, and we can't get away from it. Talk about that, and starting at that point, we'll talk about life, its importance, and why we need to grasp it. Well, the key thing is, you know, life is short. How do we make the most of it? And uh, I got the idea for the book. I read a book by an Australian philosopher on Carpe Diem, but he was an atheist. And at the end of the day, it basically boiled down to life is short, grab it while you can. 
and he didn't have any appreciation for the biblical view of time, which is so much richer. So I wanted to write one that compared the biblical, the Jewish and Christian view, with the Eastern view on one side, the cyclical view of time, and then the chronological view of time, the atheist view, the secularist view, that views time simply as a succession of moments and no more. And I think the biblical view of time is so deep and rich, it gives a completely different view of life. You're writing at a time um, when uh, this book, and you have this kind of sense of what's happening in our culture, and you speak to it, and you've done that over and over and over again. It always surprises me that you write at exactly the right time about exactly the right subject. Uh, we are harried and, uh, and pushed and trying to make our life count to get as much as we can before we leave. And we can do so much more with our smartphones and our computers and our professional life. You stand on the edge of that cliff and you shout, you shout, stop. Why? <laughs> well, well, obviously, I mean, the difference in our generation and, uh, say, several centuries ago is that we're living in the world of fast life. The, you know, the instant 24-7, 365 pressure of clock time, and it makes everything incredibly pressed. And if ever we need to rethink it through, we're also happen to be living historically in a great transition moment. So just as St. Augustine lived as Rome fell, so our privilege and responsibility is to live at a time when the West is in decline and America's deeply in trouble, and we've got to make sense of our historical time as well as clock time under the pressure of fast life. So it's an incredible moment. And I, I believe, Steve, that... Um, you know, with the foundations giving way, we've got to relay many of the biblical foundations. And one of them is simply the view of time and history. Why is it really worth acting into history if life is short and you can't achieve the huge things you would like to achieve? Why is it still worth it? And so on. Well, tell us why it is. <laughs> I mean, don't, don't just leave us hanging out there. Let's, let's get to some bottom line stuff, and then we'll pursue some of the other areas. In fact, we're coming up on a break, aren't we, pretty soon? So if you can give a short answer uh, to a big question in about 15 seconds, <laughs> we're willing to listen. And if not, we'll talk about it on the other side of the, of the break. Because in order to maintain this pace, in order to make our lives count, in order to touch the world for Jesus, in order to accomplish all that we have to accomplish, in order to be important and significant <laughs> in the world. You're not leaving in him any time. <laughs> he's, he's not getting his 15 seconds. Well, it was more than I thought it was. <laughs> I'm, just trying, I'm trying to vamp here until we get to the place where we play the commercials and are able to pay for this thing. But we're coming back, so don't go anywhere.
Hi, this is Eric, producer of Steve Brown, etc. If you've been listening very long, you know I'm a struggling believer, and I'd love to share some things that have helped. At Key Life, we believe that the deepest message of the ministry of Jesus and the Bible is the radical grace of God for sinners and sufferers. And we have four mini books that'll help you believe that no matter what you've done or what you're going through, God's not mad at you. Feeling Guilty, Suffering, and Faith and Doubt by Steve Brown will help you apply healing biblical truth to where it hurts the most. And my mini book, The Gift of Addiction, How God Redeems Our Pain, shows that coming to the end of ourselves is actually the beginning of faith. These four mini books are in the Grace for Sinners and Sufferers mini book combo, and it's available at keylife.org for a suggested donation of $12. They're also individually available for a suggested donation of $4. You're listening to Steve Brown, etc., and our guest is one of our favorite guests, Oz Guinness, one of my favorite people. And he's written a book, and you got to get it because it is so right on and so right for our time. Carpe diem, seizing the day, discerning the times. It would be, and I, it would be a really great book for a small group study. Oz, I, what I enjoyed in your book, you had such a sensitivity to where pop culture is. You, you not only cited the idea of YOLO, that an acronym, acronym for you only live once. <laughs> You're, you're so dialed in, you realize that that phrase has already kind of had its day in the sun. It was kind of a very short-lived kind of thing. But it really does capture this kind of um, ethos of, hey, man, time is short. Let's make it count. And everybody would be on board for that. But it really – that's just kind of the beginning of the question because you're like, well, what do you actually mean? How do you go about seizing the day? And then you really nailed it when you kind of listed out these, I guess, kind of categories of ways – that people go about that, you know, like consumerism, you know, there's a, a show called Parks and Rec and there's a little meme from that show called Treat Yourself, you know. So, OK, I seize the day by mm-hmm. doing great stuff for myself or hedonism. Familiar with that. Uh, work, workaholism, mindfulness, whatever the new age silliness or just irresponsibility. You're like, well, right. No, I've seen I've seen people seize the day through all of these different channels. And in my brain, you're like, well, maybe do we just find a balance of those or you know what how do we seize 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 the day if, if, if it's not that well you know one of my principles in thinking is always contrast is the mother of clarity and when you look at the biblical answer in terms of its contrast with the east on one side and with the secularist atheist view on the other side you really see how rich and deep it is You know, of course, in the Eastern view, time is a wheel. It goes round and round and round and round and goes nowhere. And the East has no high view of history and no basis for science, let alone human fulfillment. And yet it does appeal to people because you can see the cyclical element in life. And we're just beginning the autumn, not you guys in Florida, but here in, (laughs) in much of the rest of the country. You can see that summer ends, autumn begins, autumn ends, winter begins. There is a cycle, including our lives. We're born, we mature, we decline, we die. And so the cyclical is partly right, but the Eastern religions have projected that onto the universe itself. And you're left with a very strange view. And on the other hand, the atheist view is completely different too. You only have 
tick-tock, 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 absolutely no meaning at all in time, unless you want to impose your meaning on time. But since life is very short and we're hit by fast life today, that's an extremely difficult thing to do. And then you look at the biblical view that God is overall in history, is providence. So history is going somewhere, and time means something. And while we don't have control of history, as we come to know God and enter into his purposes for our lives, our calling, you know, we become covenantal partners with him in making a difference in the world. And you have a very rich, rich view of time, which I just love when you see it by force of contrast. You know, it's it's funny. I've I've always obviously reincarnation, you know, unlimited lives. The Bible says that's nothing close to the truth. But I've always thought, you know, like I, I there's so much I want to do. I would love to have unlimited time, just unending. And yet, <laughs> you know, from 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 finance, from any all sorts of different disciplines of life, if you have an unlimited supply of anything, it suddenly becomes devalued and a whole lot less meaningful. You know, when something is limited supply, what is what makes something valuable? That it's rare and that there's not an unlimited supply of it. And so that really adds kind of that richness and, and, and meaningfulness to, to, to our time that we do have. No, you put it well. In other words, the fact that life is short gives it a frame and a perspective and an urgency. And that's actually terrific. You know, there's a lot of discussion today with, say, in California with cryonics and life extension. They believe you might live for a thousand years or 10,000 years, maybe. And then as people speculate, if I can do tomorrow, I don't need to do anything today because I can do it in the next hundred years if I want. And you'd have an incredible increase in procrastination. People are just putting it off and off and off. Whereas you can see that when you play in a football field, it's a certain length and no more. Or you have a card game, it's a certain type of thing you're tackling and no more. In other words, the fact that life is brief gives it a framework which gives it perspective and therefore urgency, and we need to know why it's worth trying to make the most of it. Camus said the only question. He was playing off Sisyphus. The only question is the question of whether or not I ought to commit suicide. And all of a sudden, that begins to clarify in in your teaching on how the East views time and how the atheist views time and how God views time. It It is a good question that Camus posed, isn't it? No, absolutely. In other words, Camus is not asking us to consider suicide. As you know well, Steve, what he's saying is the reason that stops you committing suicide expresses what your view of life is, meaning, purpose, and those who have a strong view of the will to life, they don't consider suicide. Now, of course, the tragedy in America today is that the rise of the incidence of suicide is astonishing. Mm. And there are many reasons for it, including the opioid crisis, but you can see one of the reasons is the despair, the cynicism, the lack of a sense of the worthwhileness of life. So why not end it all? And that's absolutely tragic, whereas we as followers of Jesus, incredible purpose to life. And we don't have to achieve all our dreams. There's often a sense of incompleteness at the end of life. 
There's a river we won't cross and a mountain we won't have climbed. There's an incompleteness at the end of even the best of lives. Moses never got into the promised land and so on. But we know, as Hebrews 11 says, that while we act into history looking over the edge of history, God loves people like that who are living by faith with vision, and he's prepared a city for them. And so what's incomplete in this life has a fulfillment you know, in the world to come. So again, you can spin it out every way, but the biblical view of time excites me to the depths of my being because it's so rich by force of contrast. Yeah, well, and, and for for Christians, I would think too, a big part of us seizing the day has to do with what we ultimately think um, this story is heading, right? Like, you know, you've got some Christians who think the, the world's just going to burn up and, and we're going to go fly away to heaven one day. Um, and that would affect a lot of the choices they make. But if we really believe God is redeeming all things, that Jesus came to make all things new, um, that would also kind of affect the way we, we live each day, right? No, absolutely. And the idea that where we're going gives strength to what we're doing now. Hmm. What we're doing now, small though it sometimes may be, is a sign, a small sign of where we're going. And so again, there's faith and hope in all the actions we have. And under the Lord, because of the resurrection, nothing is ever futile. Oz Guinness is our guest. You don't want to miss a bit of this. Carpe Diem is the book, seizing the day, discerning the times. Stop for a moment, think about it, and then do it. From Key Life comes two mini books. What do you do for a living? And Life After Retirement. What Do You Do for a Living by Justin Holcomb addresses the problem of defining ourselves by what we do and how we perform in our work instead of by who we know, a gracious, loving God who defines who we are. Life After Retirement by Steve Brown examines how those transitioning from work to retirement often experience a loss of purpose in life and how the quest for personal significance can best be answered by God's radical grace, love, and purpose for our lives sufficient to carry us through this transition. What do you do for a living and life after retirement can help guide people struggling with either work or retirement. These two Key Life mini books are available through keylife.org for a donation of $6. The name of the book is Carpe Diem, Redeemed. <laughs> Seizing the day, discerning the times. I skipped the redeemed part. That changes everything. <laughs> hey, hey, Oz, on the other side of the break, you know, I was trying to get in right before uh, the commercial break, but as Christians, one of the things that really shapes us being able to uh, take a redeemed look at Carpe Diem, at Seizing the Day, is what we ultimately think uh, this is all heading towards, right? Like our picture of what will one day be or, or how we understand the story ending really does change our perspective on what it means to make the most of our place in history, of of, of taking up uh, causes. Like all of that is affected what, by whether or not we believe 
it's all going to just burn up one day or, uh, or, or Jesus really is going to redeem all things. Right? No, you're, you're exactly, you put it well. In, in other words, for us, the story is a real story with a beginning and an end, and it's meaningful. You can imagine someone plunged into a film in, in, in the middle, just for five minutes of it, trying to make sense of it. And in a way, that's the atheist view of the world. If you look at our little lives and our generation or whatever, what on earth does it all mean? You know, one of the great thinkers on time, Mercia Iliad, he says, History has a terror if you just look at it like that, because we can't make sense of it. There are all sorts of things that are terribly wrong. But in the biblical view, you know, from creation right through to the culmination of history, and, you know, the word apocalypse, you know, people think of that as some sort of catastrophe. But actually, the, the biblical word, as you know, means the unveiling. And so we can't make sense of a lot of life at the moment. But one day... At the end of time, the Lord will unveil and decode all the things that are mystery to us. And as people have often said, we're looking at life as if from the bottom of a carpet, where all you see is these ragged ends and chaos, and one day we'll see the pattern in the carpet as the Lord unveils it to us. And you have a rich biblical view of time. So we in our small worlds, with a sense of calling each of us has, short life we have, we make the most of it and then give it over to the Lord and trust Him. Hmm. Oz, it seems like there's a, a, a danger possibly for believers, though, even though we have this biblical perspective of going, you know, look, one day, heaven. In the meantime, I just have to slog through this existential horror show, you know, like hmm. just just keep going. When, when in reality, you know, the kingdom is here, the kingdom is now, we, we, we could be missing. We're not really seizing the day if we're just waiting for, you know, one day. is. Uh, have you found that to be true? Oh, no, of course. And we make the most. That's the whole notion of calling. You know, we, we're called to live out the gifts that God has given us with faith, with obedience, and truly to make the most of it. And, you know, the Jewish view of time as covenantal is that when we discover who the Lord is, and we come to know him and then discover our callings, we are in some ways covenantal partners with him in the restoration of the world. So the world as we see it is broken. It should have been otherwise. One day it will be otherwise. And in the meantime, we're doing our part as salt and light, standing for peacemaking, standing for justice. And we're really making a difference here and now. So that's incredibly important. Uh, Oz, I was hearing a interview recently, and the person was making the point of um, more from a, I guess, generational standpoint, it seems like that uh, while we have things that allow us to do things much more efficiently and supposedly save time, it seems like uh, the younger generation is anxious to delay or defer growing up and um, sort of, you know, perhaps from our perspective, wasting more time. Um, they were talking about, uh, you know, Half the people from uh, compared to 40 years ago at age 25 um, already being married because they're still living in their parents' basement or something. So that that sense of trying to take advantage of the time, it, it seems like we've we've really lost that or we've put it in the category of, well, I've got the, quote, freedom to do what I want to do 
for this period of time, so I'll just extend that. Um, can you react to where we are generationally, what the, the younger generation, in terms of a sense of time and also that sense of uh, human freedom? Well, lots of other factors, of course, and some people are living in their parents' basement basements because of the economic situation. But you're overall right. A feature of the modern world is the extended adolescence. You know, it wasn't so long ago, people were in their teens and working hard as adults, and they had to. And now we can expand it with higher education and so on, and go right on, late 30s, 40s, and so on. And then you marry later, and you have children later, etc., etc., etc. And you can see that that is certainly a a general trend in our culture, and I think uh, not the best one. I mean, you you can see all sorts of oddities of our culture, like the you know the sexual freedom introduced in the sixties, and one of the ironic consequences: people are having less sex than ever, mm-hmm. and so on. And you can see we need to look at generationalism. You know, the idea that every generation is distinctively different, and so on, which is a myth. Each generation is actually a pulse beat in the overall story of humanity. And there needs to be that smooth transition and handing on from generation to generation. We're discussing how to seize the day. Make your life count. I just want to make a comment on what he just said, though. I have six kids, so I just, not do, less. Just want, to, just want to play You need a bigger that. basement. And if they all come back and... <laughs> Guys, we're going to back out. But like Jesus, we're coming back. Did you hear about the man and woman who were emailing each other, complaining about their marriages? He wrote under the name of Prince of Joy, and she under the name of Sweetie. (laughs) They decided to have a clandestine meeting. And you know what? They discovered that they were married to each other. (laughs) They're suing each other for divorce on the grounds of unfaithfulness. Now, that's dumb. Probably the best communication they had had in their entire married life. Hey, take time to look at your place. It may be better than you think. After all, he gave it to you. I'm Steve Brown. You think about that. Share what you just heard with a friend. Go to youthinkaboutthat.com. Oz Guinness has been with us during this time. You can find out more about him at OzGuinness.com and follow him if you see him. Oz, you are on social media, aren't you? (laughs) Not much. (laughs) That's the way to seize the day. Okay. Write that down. OzGuinness.com. The Guinness is spelled like the beer. (laughs) Just so you know. Before the break, I'd brought up and it's kind of important to me. I I think as you get old, you look back and you think of all the justice you could have stood for, all the truth you could have proclaimed but didn't, 
all of the ways you could have made an impact of your life, uh, but you didn't make that impact. Uh, tell me about a sovereign God who speaks, uh, or at least the idea of a sovereign God who's over all of this, who will make it work. Well, Stephen, you're putting your finger on a very important point. There are two wonderful biblical truths that change everything, because all of us screw things up at times. And all of us, even if we do our level best, it's relatively small in the grand scheme of things. But on the one hand, you have providence, God's sovereign control mm -hmm. over everything. You know, Solzhenitsyn says in his life, every time he went off the track, the hand of the Lord put him back on again. And thank God for his providence over history so that his sovereignty rules over everything. But the other truth that's equally wonderful is forgiveness. Our Lord is compassionate and merciful and forgiving. So people say that there's an asymmetry between the past and the future. The past is sealed and the future is open. That's not actually true because when we screw things up, we can truly be forgiven. And the burden of what we screwed up in the past is cut off and the future is opened up in a new way. And I think that double thing of God's providence over everything and then his wonderful forgiveness, which gives us a second chance, makes a completely different view of history again. Mm. Mm. Uh, what we're talking about here reminds me, uh, Oz, of a quote I saw attributed to J.M. Barry, uh, author of uh, Peter Pan. And I first came across mm. this in college and I have a very different perspective of it now. He says, the life of every man is a diary in which he means to write one story and writes another. And his humblest hour is when he compares the volume as it is with what he vowed to make it. Now, when I was in college, I thought that was this bracing, exhilarating quote. And now as a newly minted 44-year-old, I would like to punch <laughs> J.M. Barry in the face <laughs> because you know what? No, it didn't turn out the way I thought. But you know what? God is sovereign, and I have a feeling it's kind of all coming together in his way of bringing it all together. So, yes, maybe the volume is different, but that's not the end of the world. There's good stuff there. By the way, in this no. book, one of the good things about this book, and you made a quote and you a quote from it, is th there are pages of quotes that will blow your mm -hmm. mind at the beginning of this book. In fact, you can take one a day, put a scripture verse with it, and make your devotions and get double your money for the book that you bought. <laughs> no, you're right. And I wondered about leaving them there, and I showed it to someone, a friend, and he said, well, look, you have the whole philosophy of life you can see in those quotations. Some are deep, some are wrong, some are funny, but they all make you think of people wrestling with this extraordinary thing of the shortness of time. You know, the bits I didn't put in the book, I, mean, I love, you know, David Brooks's idea, the difference between our eulogy self and our resume self. And it, the, 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 I wish I'd put in the story of Alfred Nobel. You may remember uh, the, the Gunpowder King in yeah. 1888. He suddenly read his own obituary. The paper got it wrong. It was actually his brother Ludwig who died, but they described him. The Gunpowder King is dead, the man who made a fortune knowing how to kill people faster than ever before. And he, he was horrified. This is what the world would think of him. And he changed in the last years of his life and left more than 90% of his money 
to thing like the Nobel Prizes. And I think it's useful for all of us to really take stock of where we are and what it is we're really doing. But here, even in a book, and your book is challenging, um, it really calls us to be aware and sensitive to what God is doing in the world and in our lives, all of which I agree with it. But you're... But you're not saying I got a bunch of new rules for you to follow, and if you do it, your life will—you'll seize the day. That's not what you're saying, is it? Not at all. Not at all. Obedience and faith are never like that. But for example, of the three things I mentioned, the second is discerning the times, and many people have no sense of that biblical view of generation, day our moment, you know, for such a time as this, or our Lord weeping over Jerusalem because they missed God's moment when it came. And and clearly, we are challenged to have a sense of, you know, where we are and making the most of it and responding with faith in it. And many people just live their lives half asleep, just moving along through the days as they're presented. And they're missing out on some of the greatness of it all. I don't for a minute believe that we have the modern world by the short hair, and we know exactly where things are going. And there's a huge danger in the sort of rationalistic punditry of people who pretend they know the future, which is nonsense. The future will always be different because God is sovereign and humans are free. But I think we need us in the church to have a much, much stronger view of the hour in which we're living and the challenges of living in it. Oh, so good. And, you know, we've, we've got one more minute, Oz, uh, and there are a thousand things that we could have asked and maybe a thousand things you wish you could have said. So you've got a minute. Leave us with a profound uh, thought <laughs> <No pressure. laughs> before we land this plane. No pressure. Well, let, me, let me just mention something I mentioned towards the end of the book. You know, what comes up first in Reinhold Niebuhr, many Christians are discouraged today. And one of the biblical reminders is that the end is not the end. In other words, there's two types of end in the Bible. You have end as finis, full stop, conclusion, death, and so on. But you also have end as telos, the Greek word, objective, culmination, purpose, and so on. And you can see that in every ending in the first sense, you have God's end in the second. So Rome collapsed. But the city of God endured, even when the city of man didn't. And we're people who are citizens of the city of God and his great purposes in history. So whatever is happening in our days, sometimes sad, sometimes disastrous, we should be people who remind ourselves of God's great ends in history. And one day, at the end of time, there will be a huge explanation of the higher end that the Lord's been working at all along. Oh, Oz, you're such a gift to the church and to us. And this book is a gift to Kati Deum, Redeemed, Seizing the Day, Discerning the Time. Get it, read it, think about it. It could change your life. Oz, thanks for being with us. Dave, it's always fun and always a privilege. And folks, we're going to be back and tell you who we're going to do it unto next week. So don't go anyplace.
Hi, this is Eric, producer of Steve Brown, etc. If you've been listening very long, you know I'm a struggling believer, and I'd love to share some things that have helped. At Key Life, we believe that the deepest message of the ministry of Jesus and the Bible is the radical grace of God for sinners and sufferers. And we have four mini books that'll help you believe that no matter what you've done or what you're going through, God's not mad at you. Feeling Guilty, Suffering, and Faith and Doubt by Steve Brown will help you apply healing biblical truth to where it hurts the most. And my mini book, The Gift of Addiction, How God Redeems Our Pain, shows that coming to the end of ourselves is actually the beginning of faith. These four mini books are in the Grace for Sinners and Sufferers mini book combo, and it's available at keylife.org for a suggested donation of $12. They're also individually available for a suggested donation of $4. Great hour with Oz Guinness. Um, he really is in touch in ways that are kind of uh, surprising for a scholar like us. And, and he writes good books, and this is a good one. Too. Uh, it's kind of, um, you know, my life verse is from Ecclesiastes, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. And I've lived by that my whole life. But it also has a provision built in, which is New Testament. And that is, I'm loved. And in that love, there's a sensitivity. And so, so often what I do when my hand finds a place to do it is really about Jesus. It's really about truth and justice and caring and love and compassion. And so that's what Oz is saying. Don't make a new set of rules. Love Jesus and then go out and mingle. The world is run by people who show. And the more that Christians show and they buy into what Oz was talking about in this hour, the bigger difference we'll make, and we won't even know that we're making it, and we won't even get credit for it. So, good hour, good thoughts from Oz Guinness. And I'm assuming that next week will be just as deep and profound and important, because you... Or what are you? What are you taking notes on what I said, or what? No, I never take notes. On well, you're, I know you're, <laughs> <laughs> you're just not paying attention. No, I am. You know you're what? I was no, that. no. I was getting ready to say that next week we're going to have, which is really we've actually had him on before, but but it's a pretty big deal. Followed by, I mean, coming on the heels of Oz, which is a big deal. Um, N.T. Wright who has a new book out called History and Eschatology, Jesus and the Promise of Natural Theology. And I looked at that title and I and I went through it and I thought, good grief, this is so far above me. I have no earthly idea what this is. And then I went to the back and I looked at all the pages that were notes and bibliography and referring back and all this kind of stuff. And when you have 52 pages in a book that's all notes and bibliography, wow. you, you, yeah, guys, you're on your own that's next awesome. week. <laughs> I might wait for the movie. <laughs> Listen, if you've heard him before, of course, we have to bring in Reggie Kidd to deal with the controversy after we have him. But he's a delightful guy. He is fun to talk to. And he gets the fodder down low. So people 
sitting at this table and in the little glass booth and behind the video cameras, we can all get it. So join us next week, same time, same place. Between now and then, don't do anything we wouldn't do. And that gives you a wide, wide berth.